everybody. Welcome to the Hallmarkies podcast. I'm so excited today. We have a very popular hall star to interview today. I am film critic Rachel Wagner and I'm joined by Cammie's here. Hi everybody. Yes. I'm excited. Yes. <laughs> so we are very delighted to have Paul Green here on the podcast. Thank you so much for Paul for coming on. You're welcome. Happy, yes. happy, to, happy to be here with you guys. I'm in Vancouver right now. Yes. So, Paul, we like to ask our interviews to tell us a little bit about yourself and introduce yourself and tell us what inspired you to become an actor. Well, yes. So I'm Paul Green. I'm Canadian, live in Los Angeles. Um, and I grew up on a really small um, sort of a hobby farm in Alberta. My Parents had other jobs, but we had, um, somehow they still felt necessary to have a farm with a lot of work for us to do. I don't, I think it was just to make us into uh, healthy, productive young men. So my brother and I grew up together, Stephen, and my father has passed five years ago. Um, and I was really close with, the, with him, and I'm still very close with my mom, Fran, and his name was Earl. And so they raised me very traditionally, uh, very hardworking in family values and church. And I grew up in church uh, <laughs> as a drummer. And in, then I picked up a couple instruments and singing a little bit later on. Um, but I, but I, um, my first love for acting came, uh, we weren't allowed to watch movies uh, or listen to music that wasn't Christian. And I wasn't too fond of it. Christian music it, it didn't really I couldn't connect to it very much growing up it was mm -hmm. like uh, so I snuck over to a friend's place and we watched Bloodsport which is a martial arts movie with Jean-Claude Van Damme uh -huh. and, and Purple Rain uh, within the same week I saw uh, the two movies that as it were would influence me in music and in film so I started martial arts immediately and I stopped eating sugar and doing a thousand crunches a day so I could look like Jean-Claude Van Damme and <sighs> fight like wow. him. Wow. But then at 16, I kept waking up in movies. Like I would wake up and I would, someone would yell cut and that would wake me up. And then I would want to go back into my dream and be on a movie set. Like I wasn't, I wasn't on the screen. I was in on set acting with Jean-Claude Van Damme <laughs> uh, and, and fighting like ninja fighting and, and martial arts and different martial, uh, kickboxing. Um, and it kept happening, um, this dream. So as soon as I got my car, which I saved up for, $500, Honda Civic. Um, nice. Ni nice. <laughs> 1981 stick shift Honda Civic uh, that I bought cash for 500 bucks. Um, I drove it to Edmonton, which is the nearest city, and found a studio called Daryl Mork uh, Film and Television. And I took a a, a very quick, a very short class on acting for film and television. And I, I liked it and I, and I, and I knew I had to do more about that, but time, like I lived quite far away in, in gas money. And I, I didn't stay in that class or that school for very long because I was in every sport that you could be in possibly. And I was about to graduate. I graduated very young at like 16 and a, and a, Eighth. Like I was just turned 16 in June and I graduated that right then. Oh, um, wow. so, so I was, uh, and because I was a jock, I looked at the drama door and they were all smoking cigarettes and into like weird, like dark music. And I was like, ew, I don't want to go. <laughs> I don't want to go into headbangers, heavy metal drama class. So, but I would, <laughs> I would sneak in 
and I would like, like, I had, I wasn't drama, but nobody knew I would like, I wouldn't go in the main door. I would like slide in so my athlete friends wouldn't like make fun of me being in drama. Mm. But I never like, I think I did one school play. I did a few church plays and, um, but when I was, uh, I got a scholarship to college for volleyball. I was really into volleyball. And when I was there, um, in my first few months in co college, uh, a modeling scout came up to me and said, you have to meet Kelly Streit. And Kelly Streit's one of the biggest agents in the world for discovering people. He had just discovered Trisha Helfer, who's another Canadian who uh, won Supermodel of the World in 1992. That's right when he had found me. And she currently, I think she just, she was on Battlestar Galactica with Paul Campbell. Mm -hmm. And she also just finished, she was Lucifer's mom. Um, she's had a really great acting career as well, but her modeling career was one of the biggest in, you know, in the world for, in the 90s. And this guy, Kelly Streit, brought me um, out. I left college as soon as he said, do you want to go live in you know, Toronto, Paris, Milan? And I was like, you mean, do, do you want me? To, you, this is, <laughs> these are my decisions. Do I, do I stay in Red Deer uh, where it's minus 30? Uh, Celsius or do I go to live in Europe and and have you know and I was just turning 19 I think it was 18 and a half at this point tough call yeah yeah it wasn't it was, <laughs> it was incredibly yeah. easy but uh, um, I, I picked up your sarcasm there <laughs> I knew I had to act though. So along the way, I was fortunate enough, and even in Europe and Japan, I lived in Japan for six months, I lived in 12 countries. Uh, I was always doing commercials, TV commercials, while I was modeling. And whenever, and I was, whenever I'd get on set and had a day of filming for, for film, I, I was lit up and then I'd have to go back and do print. And I was like, ah, oh, it's not so boring. Like print was so boring. But eventually I made it to Miami and then New York. And in New York, I was brought to New York from an acting agent who saw me in Miami named Maury at Innovative Artists. And he brought me to act in New York. And he had a commercial agency there. And as soon as I got to New York, I got into some of the best schools with Uta Hag and Stella Adler. And they're like sort of the, the grandmothers mm -hmm. of, of acting in New York. Mm -hmm. and, and Susan Batson. So I was in really great schools, but I was always always working I, had, I was modeling 250 days a year i had uh, a very unique career uh tommy hilfiger and and uh j crew and um had found me early and were using me consistently so every single catalog in the world and every single department store that sold tommy hilfiger and wanted to look like J. Crew would book me because I was their their image, and I did uh, covers of Men's Health. I did seven covers of Men's Health magazines. I had a really unique, bizarre career because I was like a celibate Christian. At, at at right at eighteen and a half, at nineteen, I like completely committed my life to God, and then I had this massive modeling career for a decade, pretty much, mm -hmm. uh, where, where I was living in. Paris, Milan, and London, and Hamburg, and Munich, and Athens, Tokyo, and watching beautiful women always like changing naked in front of me. And I was like on this path for God, because when you do runway shows, everyone just kind of changes mm -hmm. backstage. And I, and I was, I'd have my guitar and my Bible with me. Uh, and I'm like 1920 sitting there with 
our Giorgio Armani in front of me and Dolce Gabbana in front of me and Calvin Klein and these people just looking at me and then they're like, and I didn't, I wasn't even aware that they were like, they must have thought I was completely nuts because I was just sitting there with this huge study Bible open, like always, and my guitar. And it was like, so it's the most bizarre, but it gave me everything like my relationship to god at the beginning of that time where i was kept me from a lot of drugs and a lot of uh potential wasted energy and money and i started buying real estate and investing in things at 19 because i wasn't distracted by drugs and sex i just was like i had such a single focus and my dad had taught me to tithe and save so i percentage of everything went to God and a percentage of everything went to savings. So I had all this money. I was just started buying buildings and things, New Jersey and New York and Long Island. And I, at 2021, 20, I even bought an airplane because there's, there's 14 pilots in my family. And I was like, I had all this energy and focus to put into things that were really actually a f- incredible foundation for my life, mm-hmm. which is, was that instead of burning it and running my energy all over the world with different women and drugs. And um, so it was a really, that's how I got into acting. And then when I, when I in, I was always trying to get to LA, but every time I would try to go to LA, it it wouldn't, I couldn't go because uh, for pilot season, because my modeling chart was so full and I was always booked and I would have to turn down lots and lots of money and make, and I was on hold or I would be, Clients like Saks Fifth Ave and Macy's and Burdines and Books, all these department stores would have time on me and J. Crew and Tom Hilfiger would have time on me starting January, February, March, April, May. And I would have to cancel them in order to go to L.A. to try to act, like to try to do what everyone in the world wants to do, which is be like a movie star or something. So I kept delaying it and delaying it. And when my son, I uh, two years before my son was born, I watched the Twin Towers fall uh, in 9-11 with my I was very close to them. I had to run and there was the debris was in, they evacuated. They kicked us out of our building and I ran uh, from the buildings with people downtown up all the way up to Central Park and across to where I lived in, in Queens. So you were yeah. there. Yeah, I saw it in my own eyes. I did, I not, I did not know that. Oh my oh, yeah. goodness. Yeah, when I came on the subway, I was working for Target that day, the department store, and the first plane had just went in and the homeless guy was screaming, the world is ending. And I was like, oh my goodness, he must be on some really bad drugs. <laughs> and then I, and I looked up and, one, and, the, and the to- one of the towers was on fire already. One plane had gone in. And by the time I got to the fourth, fifth floor of our, where our studio was, I walked up to the window and saw the other plane go in and then watch them fall right there. I have video of it with my own camera of them falling. Oh my goodness. Mm-hmm. Crazy. And as wow. they fell, they came into our building and said, you have to leave this building. It's not safe. So we went outside and yeah, I'll never forget it. Um, yeah. Never. It's, it still just feels like a movie though. But then my son was born and I, and um, the power outage came across the East Coast for about seven days and he was only four days old, my son, and I had to run up 37 flights of stairs to our condo and, and, um, and all this was, it was, I felt these were all signs to get out of New York. That was, that was like three days after my son was born. And the final straw was I was holding my son. He was two weeks old and a big truck came by and hit a puddle and splashed us with gray, black, brown water, like both of us. Just just smashed against my leg and all the way up where I was holding him. And I was like, all right, selling the properties and we're going. So I put everything up for sale. I was 30, it's 15 years ago. And my son was just born and we left 
uh, New York City for Los Angeles and I had zero acting credits and I was looking for a way to feed my six month old baby with uh, leaving my career in New York. Amazing. That's a great, wow. great story. That's really cool. Uh, so your first role for Hallmark, did you film Perfect Match or Christmas Detour first? Perfect. Um, yeah, Perfect Match was first. It was originally, I think, called Perfect Wedding. And then they changed it. The One of the, the executives at the time, Bart Fisher, <laughs> he's no longer with Hallmark. Uh, he saw me on Bitten, which was a werewolf thing I had done um, for for the sci-fi channel and uh, a, a channel called the Space Network here in Canada. Uh, and he, my character on there was very similar to some of the characters that I play, like very open and, and honest and trustworthy and everyone else like a werewolf or a vampire or something. Mm -hmm. So he offered me that movie with Danica, like I didn't audition for it and I'd never, I'd never done a Hallmark film um, before I had done a lifetime movie before, like a year before, two years before, but it was they're very different. There's nothing they're not they're not even <laughs> to say was, the least. Was it a Anybody, caution, cautionary tale one we like to say in lifetime? The the no, scary ones? It was pretty cool though. It was with um I'm splanking on her name. She played Mary Samsonite or Swansonite from Dumb and Dumber. Um Oh, Lauren Holly. Lauren Holly was the evil kind of therapist and Yes. Um, and I, yeah, it's, it's, it's actually, actually, it was a really good movie. I, yeah. I, I was, it was quite a thriller and not too good. There was nothing gratuitous or anything. It was just, it was interesting. I yeah. actually, I enjoyed making it uh -huh. in Montreal. I got to spend a beautiful month in Montreal making that picture. But back to your question, perfect match uh, with Danica. And then my favorite director, Ron Oliver was directing that movie. And I barely landed back in in LA and he called me and he said, I have another movie we're shooting next week with Candace Cameron. Just say yes. Yeah. And <laughs> <laughs> you don't really have a choice, so just say yes. <laughs> yeah. And it was Ron Oliver. Ron Oliver really guided me. He's the one that said, You're my Cary Grant. He said, You're my every man that I've been looking for that can can be aspiring, but also be really simple. And also can, um, you're not like, he just, he, when he first saw me on screen, the very first take, he came up to me, he goes, I've been looking for you for a really long time here. Watch all of these Cary Grant movies. Cause you're, <laughs> this is, this is your career. Mm -hmm. um, well, wow. Yeah. yeah. That's a compliment. No, no kidding. <laughs> no yeah, because it's a tricky dynamic in Christmas Detour because she's engaged to someone else, and that's a that's kind of a hard dynamic to pull off, you know, because you don't want to seem too too creepy, but like obviously she has to end up falling in love with you. But yeah, it was how how did you approach that? Yeah, I mean, there's that that scenario happens uh, fairly often. I feel <laughs> just a couple times. <laughs> where the, the fiance in the city who works too much, uh, you know, is, and they're not right for, you know, it, you quite often the women are going through some sort of crisis in, in who they are in their relationships and then enter in the guy who's also just kind of figuring it out, but they're kind of, they're right for each other and everyone sees it usually, but them at the beginning, but, um, yeah, it's a fine line, but you just trust that's when you have a good director. And I was new to the network, but I already was the type of actor that 
I, I bring as much of my personality into the each character anyway, and I'm a very positive um, outlook on life. So I bring a lot of Paul into these characters. So it just works for the, the aspiring type of guys that these guys usually are, that you, we would want our hero woman to fall in love with them. It was, it's not that hard. It's not a, a big like character development I have to do for these roles. Like mm-hmm. the odd one are different. Like anything for love, I was a male nurse and I did some different research because that character was a bit different. And mm-hmm. and um, and they all, you know, I get to one of the fun things as an actor is I get to make them different because they all have, they all do have a different sort of. Um, career and that you know some are are marketing executives some are writers like they all have and that part's fun is to build their backstory which i do as an actor but the tone like hallmark is all about tone it's like Mm -hmm. when people turn on the that thing that that the channel and they watch and they're looking for that thing what they're that feeling is that there's a tone there and that tone um is what really um, Ron helped me kind of cultivate in those first two movies with uh, Candace and Danica and really guided me to get started. And I, I have a big debt of gratitude to, to, to Ron Oliver. Mm-hmm. Well, both characters had something that is missing from a lot of people's lives, and that's humor. I remember that Dylan, that was the one thing that wasn't on, that wasn't checked off on Candace's list that Dylan had was that Dylan made her laugh. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And, and I think what maybe what people love about these movies, too, is they get a look at their own life. And they're like, Oh, my gosh, am I settling? Like, have I just settled for something that's maybe not right for me? And that's so I'm sure, I'm sure we're the cause of a few breakups, but hopefully a lot of people coming together. too. So we'd like to take a second from our interview with Paul and thank our sponsor for this episode of the podcast. We are so delighted to be working with Glamour Jewelry Box, which is a really great thing, especially for this time of year, when you're trying to finish off that ensemble that you have for the holiday parties, other things going on, you want that perfect accessory to go with your outfit. Uh, You get every month, a necklace, a set of earrings, and a bracelet. And they try to be on trend, but not too weird. Kimmy, you got to see this jewelry. What did you think? I thought it was gorgeous. It was just the right touch of classy, but different. I especially loved the bracelet because it had this kind of twisted, interconnected quality. And so it... I can't, I can't wait to wear it. This is yeah. good. It's my first little bit of Hallmarkies merch that I'm getting as an official <laughs> podcast member. So I'm excited and it's going to be, oh, I can't wait. Yeah. It's going to be great. It's really cool. And you get uh, $5 off on your first month subscription. Go to glamourjewelrybox.com and enter Hallmarkies at checkout and you can get your first box. I have to ask about Christmas in Angel Falls because I loved that movie and it was, it was a little bit different. I feel like in it was very of, different. Yeah. No, it was. You're yeah. Right. And I mean, even just in the fact that I loved that scene in the church when <laughs> she just, uh, you'd have that moment of connection and she just goes for it. And it was such an early kiss for a Hallmark movie. And the whole which idea. We love, of, yes, we, which love we love the early ones. <laughs> <laughs> and just the whole idea of free will and that she sort of learns that she can, she, she should be able to make her own choices and I know I loved that whole message and it was it was great yeah yeah I mean Maggie Lawson and I in a uh, 
my favorite wedding didn't kiss into the last 30, 30 seconds of the movie. So I'm with you. I like when they have a different, like if you start with the earlier kiss and then they, they, they get, they can kind of get more meaningful as it moves on. I'm a fan of several kisses in a movie too. Yes. And wow. And- that that makes me like you even better yes. well and also the the whole scene where you guys are dancing it was just so oh so great sweet. it was so good it kind of i felt like it sort of had a little bit of a feeling of the speaking of Cary grant the the bishop's wife or you know the remake the preacher's wife it i thought it kind of had that feel of the guardian angel coming down mm-hmm. and uh, and so that was very refreshing uh for uh i don't know just right. it was just nice to have something different it was a beautiful script and to, to have Bo Bridges involved, I was just, mm. I was, I had to oh, I bet myself. that was fun. Yeah. And I asked him acting advice too. And I was like, do you have any advice for me? And he's like, yeah, don't act and keep it simple. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's what he said. He goes, just, just, just keep it simple and don't act. And I was like, ah, oh, so refreshing. Yeah. <laughs> and then he's, he's become a good friend. We spent some time oh. with him in Hawaii over New Year's last year or two years ago. And he's just him and his, him and Wendy, they have such a beautiful love story, how they met and how long they've been together. And they're just, he's a really special human being. I really like him. That's great. Mm -hmm. Uh, So you came on as Dr. Carson in season four, I believe. Yep. That's, that's right. Yep. So was that challenging to, uh, enter an established show like that uh, and uh were you originally going to be a if you know full cast member or was it originally going to be just a smaller run and then it expanded or um no it was always uh meant to be uh for s- several years uh mm-hmm. it was a th- it was a three-year it's a three-year it was a three-year deal um I, I, it wasn't hard at all. I know I knew everyone from the TCAs, which are these uh, media events that we meet everyone at, and uh, for the press, the press meet. I knew it felt like a family, and everyone had been telling me about it. And um, uh, Andrea Brooks, I had worked with on A Wish for Christmas, and she was on that show. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and then I met Brian Bird at the TCA. And I think Daniel Listing was like, Brian, you got to put, you got to bring, you got to put Paul in, in, we got to get Paul over to Win Calls of Heart. Um, but then it came a couple months later or six months later, I think they sent me two roles. One was a role that Niall Matter played, who was the, the father of um, the boy. Um, Shane, Lee. Shane Cantrell. Yes. Right. Shane. Thank you. Uh, uh, yeah, you're gonna you're 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 gonna know more names than me, so thank you. <laughs> that's, um, it. that's my job. Right on, and 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 then or this doctor, and I'd always like related to medicine, and I'm a I'm very into all kinds of health and nutrition stuff. So when they when that came, I was like, I really feel like um, doing this role here. So I they made me an offer and. I was on set doing it and I loved my art, my character's arc in that first season with, uh, you know, running from, you know, the town and, and running from a past and then helping Cody with his appendix appendix and my relationship with Elizabeth and that and Lori. It was just, I really liked, I really liked, uh, uh, yeah, cause that. you started as a cook, right? At Abigail's cafe. Yeah. Well, yeah. I started in the lumber yard, uh, hiding out i was just hiding from my my sister my uh, ex's uh, mm. 
previous wife's sister. So I was just trying to get work anywhere, um, really. And then I, once I couldn't work in the lumber yard anymore, the sawmill, because I hurt my rib trying to sa saving that girl from the horses, that then, then I needed a job where I wasn't lifting. And that's where I ended up in the kitchen now. Mm, yeah. I think my favorite uh, episode with Carson is the uh, episode where he has to decide to do s surgery on uh, the um, the other sister-in-law. Uh, that was, I thought you did a really good job with the, with the brain tumor surgery. Uh, I, I thought that one was very effective and you did a good job showing his, his conflict there, mm, not wanting to repeat yeah. the same mistakes. Yeah. And then it came up later the next season with her sister coming to town and I had to do that brain surgery on her. And it was yeah. like, oh, that, that was just, yeah. I, as an actor, you just love to have conflict to, to overcome and to deal with. Um, um, and I think that's when our show is at its best um, and is when there's, and even though it's, it's intense and like even with Daniel at the end of that season and it's like everyone was so concerned and I'm like it's great television like yes they loved him some people will be mad and some people will say that they will never watch it again but but there's nowhere else for them to get a show like this like they'll be back it's just like yeah. in game in whatever show you're watching Downton Abbey or Game of Thrones you're the main characters no one's safe and it's what makes for great television and i think it's also why our our viewership has gone up so much on, mm -hmm. on our channel and netflix it's a huge hit on netflix is is that it's people know what they're going to get and it, and but there has to remain conflict and and drama um and and surprises it's just the way it is like that's mm -hmm. good television and some people will be mad forever about daniel but you know, that's, that's, that's their choice. They can be mad forever. They're probably mad at other things in their life forever too. <laughs> I actually yeah. have a question about that, Paul. There were a ton of speculations and whispers among the Hardys that Carson was brought on to be the replacement, the romantic replacement uh, for Elizabeth. And so I cannot count how many times mm -hmm. I heard about people and I caught myself doing it too, just watching every little minuscule interaction. Is he, is he falling for her? Is he? Mm -hmm. <laughs> it was actually yeah. a little humorous. Was, was sure. there, was that, was that tension put in there on purpose to keep the audience guessing or was that just a natural happenstance that happened what what was that yeah, i'm not sure how much i'm at liberty to discuss about that there ah, was there was true. definitely some uh you're not i'm just gonna say you're not too far off on on your speculation there was there was some earlier conversations about that but then there was then Dan, there was there was some writing things with daniel coming back and there's a lot of things with daniel that adjusted the writing and adjusted some 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 mm -hmm. direction of the show, uh, and and then just you know Carson and Elizabeth had another relationship that that wouldn't have been too appropriate to go back or to to then start a romantic relationship from there, but um, yeah I I can't really uh, mm -hmm. confirm or deny that without causing too much of uh, <laughs> too much 
problems for for I don't know. I just fair, fair enough. Be, yeah, I was just gonna say fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> we don't want to get you in any trouble. Uh, so well, I would no, I wouldn't get in trouble. I just don't want anybody to um, feel uh, offended or you know, and sure. things things change a lot. Like in writing too, is like mm -hmm. there's ideas that were presented to me when I signed on, say seven or eight ideas for Carson, and several of those have come true and several mm -hmm. of those haven't and sure. but that's always the case yeah like always like evolving what, what they presented to me that got me interested in the character some of what they said i would be doing has happened and some hasn't mm -hmm. sure yeah that makes sense uh so we always love the when calls the heart christmas movies it's definitely one of the highlights of <laughs> when calls the heart in my opinion uh and i just it's such a good fit the spirit of christmas with this the feeling of when calls the heart and so can you tell us a little bit about the uh the upcoming uh movie at all well yeah because it's of course uh i agree with you it is a phenomenal uh extravaganza and they have to keep upping themselves like now there's more christmas like you would not believe the set deck team <laughs> like they yeah. just outdone themselves yet again and and you know it's jack little baby jack's first birthday so there's there's a he's also was obviously born on christmas if you remember from the last yeah, that's one. true right um, so there's a lot about fussing over his first birthday and uh that's gonna big, be fun to watch yeah there's a big <laughs> festival that lucas puts on like that represents something his parents did when he was in germany so there's like a big kind of huge a festival that takes place in the middle and there's a, a few things that happen with that and i get to go on a really really cool adventure um you know uh to find faith not like she's not lost but like to go see her with her with her uh i don't want to give away too much but mm -hmm. she's obviously away from the end of the season uh to, to be with her mm -hmm. dad because her dad was sick and so she, uh she can't come to hope valley so i uh you know, I get to go on a little adventure to go to, to visit. I knew it. Yeah. I knew it. Yeah. <laughs> I had a, I had a feeling, I had a feeling that yeah. there was going to be a visit. Was like, is he yeah. going to go and see her? So yay. Yeah. So there's uh, and in that, I'm not going to give away, but there's some uh -huh. cool things that happen, uh, some twists and some turns. And there's a, actually a new character, um, that, hmm. that comes to visit town that's, I have a big influence on and so does Gowan and he's like a young salesman. It's a really interesting little, and he did a great job and um, he's a diverse character. He's a black actor. And I just love that, that they mm -hmm. have that diversity in this Christmas movie. And he was a young guy and a great little actor. And I had a lot of scenes. Mm. We'd like to take a second from our interview with Paul to talk about our second sponsor of this episode of the podcast. They are the good folks over at Skylight Frame. And it's a really cool thing that they do. You, we've seen lots of digital frames before, but this is a unique one where you can uh, actually have people email you photos directly to the frame so you could be sitting there uh you know watching your 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 pictures go by and boom surprise picture from somebody in your family which i think is such a fun new idea and you think of how many pictures that we take on our you know instagram and uh, everything and those can just be uploaded immediately 
to the frame. I think it looks really nice. A 10 inch touch screen. It has a black frame, white mat. It just will go with anything in your house and it'd just be really novel and sweet. So if you're looking for a great gift for somebody in your family, this is something that they, I think will really enjoy. And right now you can get $10 off of your purchase of a Skylight Frame. You go to skylightframe.com, enter code Hallmark. And uh, so $10 off, that's Skylight Frames, S-K-Y-L-I-G-H-T-F-R-A-M-E.com and enter code Hallmark, not Hallmarkies. So this, there's going to be a lot in this Christmas mm-hmm. episode that, that people... Um, love to see and some music and it just Mm. looks gorgeous and we shot it when it was colder so we didn't have to pretend it was cold so it was great that's great well we're excited saved you a saved you a few sweat (laughs) sweat soaked costumes huh yeah those can be tough those but (laughs) most 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 christmas movies are made in this in the heat yeah yeah right uh so then you have christmas in evergreen uh tidings of joy right is the That's right. Yeah. Yep. So this kind of a similar, similar question of you have this sort of established series and you're sort of entering it now in the third one. And uh, so, yeah, what was it like to be invited to ever the evergreen world? Well, here's what's cool is it's the characters have already uh, have quite a bit of story development. So, you know, um, all these characters that were in the first and the second, like Joe, um, Joe Wagner comes back for a, a, a brief uh, cameo. Mm-hmm. But then there's the, the towns folks, like Barbara Niven's a character there. Yeah. She has the Kringle Cafe. And then um, Holly Robinson-Pete uh, ha- takes over character. a different, she has a different position and she has a bigger role in this one. And so I think when I, when I, I watched the, the, the movies before and and to get a bit of the mm-hmm. town's feeling and the establishment and the red truck and just to understand a little bit the, the dynamic of the town and how magical the town is and how much they love Christmas and how much they love community and each other. It's very similar to Hope Valley when you think about it. Mm-hmm. Like they're very much take care of each other. And it's like this place that doesn't seem real because people actually really, it's a community and they really care about each other. So um, I was, uh, I know it's a really big uh, franchise for them meaning like it pulls just major big numbers and people mm-hmm. love the, love it and the book's great and I was excited yeah when they when they offered it to me and presented me the script mm-hmm. and um, and the thing when you get your first script you know they're going to keep rewriting it and they always get better and they always get uh, these scripts evolve uh, we get rewrites every mm-hmm. couple of days usually um, sometimes the night before you go to film <laughs> you get a new rewrite um, <laughs> which which is uh at the beginning can be t- tough but as soon as you're filming you're 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 the muscle from memory is, is so strong that I, they could throw anything at me like i can it, it gets it with once you're working consistently you just it's you're not photograph i don't have photographic memory but i really um i read mm-hmm. the scripts so many times that when they make a slight alteration my brain's like, oh, that goes there because that's out of place. It's like, where's Waldo? It was like, oh, there's that, that thing doesn't mm-hmm. belong there. So mm-hmm. you can I, adapt. Yeah, I can adapt. And I constantly am reading the script to get on these movies, especially because my character's usually the lead or, or like number one and two or number two. So there's a lot of scenes with my character. So I need to be 
very aware of how every other character is relating to my character. Uh, so I'm always mm -hmm. digging for gold of information of what people say about me, what they, how, how emotionally, how, do, how are we connected and what are some things that I can create that we've overcome in the past so that when I ha say, say words to them on screen, there's a, a relationship there. It's not just mm -hmm. words. And then I don't have to worry about memorizing. Like I don't really memorize. I just really know my stuff and mm -hmm. I don't like try to get it right because it's terrible. If you try to get it right, you just look like someone speaking <laughs> words. Like, mm -hmm. so I just, I get it very close by uh, repetition and looking at it and asking mm -hmm. a lot of questions and writing. I write a lot about my, my, my work as I'm, as I'm expanding on mm. obstacles and objectives and things that I want to create with my characters. But to be a part of, uh, you know, I've worked with Barbara Niven three times now. Um, mm -hmm. And what's so unique is our, uh, the African-American community loves Hallmark so much and they are going to flip out because there's two couples in this movie that are African-American, uh, African-Canadian. And um, both Holly Robinson Pete and her love interest, and then there's a woman named Rukia. Uh, how do you say it? I think it's Rukia, but Rukia. Rukia. Yeah. Rukia. Uh, it is Rukia. Okay. So oh I, yeah, she's adorable. I adore her. And she's she has a bigger role in this too. And then she falls in love with this guy who we haven't met yet, but he's a town's guy that's been mm -hmm. there for a while. So there's two of the three are a diverse sort of background and right. ethnicity. And I think that that's going to really play well. And then of course, Maggie and I did an, a film before. So our chemistry is off the charts and we just love working with each other. And yeah. I was going to say you got to be reunited with Maggie. That must've been fun. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I was hoping for a, a Christmas or I mean a wedding movie where her and I get married that is based with, cause I, um, I really loved the characters that we got to work with in, in my favorite wedding. Um, mm -hmm. and, um, Peter Benson and Marie, mm -hmm. uh, the other girl's name. Oh, they were just so great. Mm -hmm. Her best friend. And then he was my buddy, Peter Benson. And, um, so I was, I loved, I loved your relationship. You and Peter, that your characters were so funny. It was so fun to watch. Uh, although you needed to tell him to stop taking dancing lessons because it got pretty <laughs> dicey there. Like, I know. Like, it's not, it's not worth it. It's going to break up the... <laughs> right? Well, just tell her that, tell her I have a surprise for you, so stop asking questions. <laughs> yeah, no, for, for sure. Well, Christine Chatelaine played uh, Peter's... Uh, uh, fiance and we were and we were she was a wedding planner and I was Peter's friend and I just loved you know um, Mel um, Damsky was our director and Mel had worked with Maggie on a series called Psych and he right mm -hmm. and so that the witty quick banter of Psych also he was used to he also directed MASH Oh, I didn't so, know he directed Mash. Yes. Didn't didn't Mel work on some episodes of When Calls the Heart, or am I getting that wrong? No, he hasn't yet. No, nope. he hasn't yet. Okay, I've nope. I've seen him. I've I've seen his his credit on so many other shows that I got myself confused. Yeah, no, that's fine. He's done a lot, and he let me shadow him preparing for a film he did with Danica McKellar, and I also shadowed Ron Oliver so that because one day I'm going to be directing these as well. Um, I did awesome. the the week of prep for coming home for Christmas that he did, which is one of Danica's mm -hmm. movie, mm -hmm. um, yeah. the director of prep. So he, mm -hmm. but yeah, he's pretty, he's, his um, 
what he did in, he also did journey back to Christmas with Oliver Hudson and, uh, and, um, Candace Cameron, Candace, that was like a hall of fame, mm-hmm. uh, picture. Yeah. But then yeah, that's a favorite the, with a lot of people. I think it's their, like the number two ever hallmark in terms of ratings. Something like that. Well. Yeah. I really like the way that they have been doing these more franchises versus sequels, because I think the sequels are very difficult to pull off because our characters are sometimes they can, but their characters are already together. And so I think that Hallmark struggles to figure out, okay, what do we do next? You know, the people want to see these characters, but what's the next thing in the story? And uh, so some of the sequels have struggled. And so I really like the fact that now we're getting more of this, more of a franchise. Like we're getting now a second uh, Angel Falls movie with Jen Lilly. Uh, We're getting a second uh, Godwinks movie. Uh, We're getting now a third Evergreen movie. And they have different people. We're getting a spinoff of uh, Christmas at Graceland. So I, I think that's a smart way for them to go. Uh, rather yeah. than sequels yeah i think you might be on to something that might be why they're not they don't want to do sequels is like there's there's not the conflict unless they were to break up and then try and get back together or something yeah. but, but planning a wedding you know has a lot of drama too like i think it's an interesting something different to start the relationship off where someone's together and then uh, they they thought they had something special but then they're like oh my gosh actually having a relationship is a lot harder than we thought and then you wonder if they're mm-hmm. going to pull it off and then they go through their journey that they go through and trying to plan this wedding which is a, can be a disaster planning a wedding and, <laughs> yeah you know, renovating right. a house and planning a wedding can put a lot of strain on relationships which is wonderful for writing comedy and conflict yeah. well it can be like i think um uh pascal and uh and coven's uh sequel to their movie the perfect bride whatever it was um that was a good one they did a good job because you never worried that they were actually going to break up they just had conflict that they dealt with which was natural and so i think that was a good example but it's a tough it's it's often tough for them to pull off i feel like uh and uh so anyway i just think it's interesting that they've sort of moved to this franchise mode yeah, I think it's fun. It's fun to to continue to build on characters that have depth. That's what mm-hmm. my favorite thing. So once you have a, f- a longer period of time and more movies, the characters, you have more to draw from, and you know who the character is, and the fans yeah. can can be more committed to them. Were you were you tempted to? Did you want to ride off with that red truck? <laughs> no, no, it's horrible to drive. It's oh, is it? It's oh all for God. show. It is a disaster to drive. Like, oh, the horrible. The 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 shifter is like the clutch is weird. It's it's a nightmare to drive. And okay, the illusion is shattered. Yeah, it's gorgeous. It's gorgeous, but it is a real bear to 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 wrestle. That's okay, speaking of which, this this is going off on a bit of a tangent, but I'm t- taking a friend of mine through When Calls the Heart for the first time, and we just watched the episode where uh, they celebrated Carson's birthday with his surprise party. I was dying to ask you about the harmonica. Was was it a bear to play, just like the truck is a bear to drive? Did it Did it blow out these terrible notes that had to be ADR'd, or was it an okay instrument well there's a couple versions did did they i don't know which one aired was i playing it around the campfire with with uh with andrea so you didn't play it at the campfire when she gave it to you Uh you were in the office 
Right. And you and you just played a tiny little melody for her right there. And then at the end of the episode, you were playing with uh, with Rosemary, with Pascal in the saloon. Oh, right. So right. Well, there's this scene I remember okay. I remember Kevin. Well, I remember Kevin and Pascal talking about the flute that Pascal had to play and, and how it just sounded mm -hmm. terrible. And so I was wondering about the harmonica, if it was yeah. the same. No, well, there's a whole scene that they, I thought they put it in uh, later where we're around the campfire and I play her this whole tune. And the thing was they covered it with a type of metal to cover the brand and that metal was cutting my lips. I do play, I can't play harmonica. I didn't realize it was hurting my lips until later. It was like a really, really fine metal that I kept rubbing my lips back and forth on. And then, uh, so it, it hurt like crazy. Later in my trailer, I was like, why are my lips like on fire? And I realized harmonica was like cutting my lips because um, they tried to cover the brand but no I uh, I'm I, I thought they had put that scene in because they when they did some of the re-editing with Laura, uh, when we when everything changed when they had to rewrite and recut some of the stuff from Lori they um, also I was I thought they put that scene back in but well I, that that might be I, I think that's in that's in season six with you around the campfire so we're at the we're at the end of season five where she just gave it to you for your birthday. So it's, oh it's, oh yeah. you're talking about something else. Okay, got it. So maybe well there's isn't there the scene when her and I go uh, and we get stuck in the snow and then there's a yeah that's it that's in season six. Oh okay yeah we shoot by the way we shoot these things out of order. Yeah. Oh yes absolutely. <laughs> and we never I never have any idea like what we shot and what's coming because they're rewriting it on the fly, not on the fly, but they keep re like, there's new rewrites coming in so fast. Mm -hmm. And then I'm like, wait, was that last season or did we shoot that this season? There's I wonder how you guys keep it as straight as you do. I think that you guys do a fantastic job keeping it as, as straight as you do. Well, so Paul, we like to end our interviews with just some fun, silly questions. So we have the holiday version of the questions for you. So okay, here we go. What is your favorite holiday drink? Um, a type of spicy apple cider that mm. has a lot of cinnamon uh -huh. uh, and cloves that is made slowly on a stove. Yum. I like that too. Okay. Uh, what is your favorite holiday cookie or treat? I'm going to go with ginger cookies, like some type uh -huh. of a ginger, dark ginger cookie, yeah. or uh, my mom used to make these um, sourdough cinnamon buns that she had a mm. starter in the fridge that she called George, like that was what she <laughs> called it. That was like 20 years old, the starter, wow. and she would make us the most insane cinnamon rolls of all time with sourdough starter it was beautiful that sounds delicious yeah you could work that into a hallmark movie Absolutely. i've never i've never seen sourdough starter as a christmas <laughs> well, food right, and right, right, yeah. right, right. That's, that's the next christmas cookie mashup <laughs> <laughs> yeah if you're making cinnamon rolls <laughs> uh, right. all right so what is your favorite christmas song or carol Christmas song. I love I'm Dreaming of a White Christmas. I just mm, like, yeah. I like the so slower ones. I don't like fast, like I don't like Jingle Bells. I don't, I don't like anything that's like kind of tinny or, or commercial mm -hmm. or, or mm -hmm. like 
heartless. I like something with, I I love all the old school Bing Crosby stuff. Mm -hmm. Very good. Okay. What is your favorite Christmas movie to watch every year? Love Actually, probably. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Very good. Because it's a romantic. And also there's like the holiday. There's a few. I like the old ones um, a little bit too, but I... I would like right off my head is love actually. Yeah. It's a good one. It got so many different stories. So yeah. uh yeah, very good. Okay. Uh what is your favorite holiday tradition? Like decorating the tree or what what's the one you look forward to most? Food. I love making the turkey. Mm-hmm. I, I I love I spend a lot of time in the <laughs> in the kitchen so do you have do you have your christmas dinner on christmas eve or christmas day christmas day like middle of the day usually um some of the prep is done christmas eve and then christmas day like around three or four we usually uh eat the big the big daddy the big cool great (laughs) okay uh what's a memorable christmas gift that you've given or received like did you have the big uh red rider bb gun kind of moment as a kid the gift you really wanted (laughs) yeah but mine was from my dad it was a huge airplane glider that was an america or air canada just a massive jumbo jet that was styrofoam that was also a glider and i just loved that thing it was it would fly forever and it was you know it was the beginning of my love of aviation and it connected me to my dad and it was just i knew it was expensive and it was so cool Mm -hmm. Yeah, that, I still remember that. I talked about that actually at a Christmas convention. Someone asked the girls on the um, on the podcast. Yeah, Bubbly Sesh. Bubbly Sesh asked a question about all of us, what our favorite gift was. And I had just shared with 500 people that I don't like getting Christmas presents. <laughs> oh! <laughs> uh, and and, and um, I, I, one is okay. Like, I don't mind if it's a one, but like buying... I just, I find this quite stressful to, to, mm-hmm. some people love it. Like some people are like, oh, I'm going to find the perfect gift for that person. But um, I, 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 yeah. I, I like to keep it simple. Well, yeah, it's just different love languages. Some people, you know, gift giving is a, a big love language and other people that does, it just doesn't matter to them. It's not how they express love. That's true. That's the Gary Chapman book. I'm quite mm-hmm. familiar with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and giving the right gift while trying to still be personal, it, it's tough. I mean, my husband, he is impossible to shop for. Really? So, oh yeah. Oh yeah. He's impossible. So I totally get it. Yeah. I like Christmas shopping, but with, with some, in some instances, oh, it can be a bear. So I'm with you. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well, which one do you prefer, Scrooge or the Grinch? Um, probably the Grinch, but the Jim Carrey one is like okay, that's your favorite. Okay, good. What uh, what about clear lights or colored? Oh, that's tough. There's, I think there's a place for both, but I'm gonna oh, I'm gonna go with clear. Okay, uh, snowball fight or build a snowman? Fight. Okay. <laughs> I'm thinking fight with, I said it in my head. I, with Paul, I'm thinking fight. Am I right? Oh, <laughs> so. oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Building a snowman is like too civilized. I don't yeah. Know. <laughs> okay. Wild in that snow. Uh, yes. And really, building a snowman is only fun if there's a lot of snow. Like, it has to, like, you have to have like a foot of snow. 
Otherwise, yeah, you can manage a small snowball fight with a couple yeah, inches. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, would you consider yourself a good gift wrapper or not? I guess you don't really uh, like gifts that much, but no, no. I uh, it take uh, if I really take my time, I can make it look like a child didn't do it. But, <laughs> but I, I'm usually just like last minute wrapping yeah. so I'm in a rush to do it and it doesn't never looks great I just I stuff it on the bottom and then I put I, I put it on its bottom so you don't see the ugly part <laughs> and then I, I'm good at writing I, I write nice cards so that's oh. you know, distract from the wrap <laughs> last question do you have an ugly Christmas sweater I did because I judged the ugly Christmas uh competition at the Christmas convention and uh-huh. I was here in Vancouver and I went to the thrift store and it had all 12 of the 12 days of Christmas on it and they were oh like macrame and like sticking out about two inches each of the days and it was hideous it was like a woman's cardigan but short and it fit me terribly <laughs> and I had it with me and I went to Memphis to um, sing to the kids at St. Jude's Children's Hospital there and I hung it in my closet in Memphis because I was going to go right I went Vancouver, Memphis, Memphis, LA, LA, Jersey. Uh-huh. And when I was in Memphis, I hung all my stuff, but somehow I forgot that stinking ugly Christmas sweater. <laughs> which, which I was going to wear for the ugly Christmas sweater, judging. Oh, no. And so someone in Memphis has my hideous sweater. <sighs> Man, that's a lucky, lucky maid that found that. And now their, their Christmas is going to be made. You're gonna be so excited. She probably, she probably couldn't have thrown it away fast enough. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think it was a treasure. It might have been a little bit of a chore. Well, well if there, she's a one calls the heart fan, then it's definitely a treasure. So. Yeah, yeah, there was a well, lot. There was a lot of people down there. I noticed New Jersey and in the South, they really, really watch Hallmark. Like in California, I don't get recognized very much, but oh my goodness, I go one (laughs) or two hours outside of Los Angeles, even start heading um, towards the middle of this country and people watch Hallmark. Oh yeah. That's Hooray for Southerners. Well, Well, you passed the test. Answered all the questions, so we will keep allowing you to make Hallmark movies. Oh, yes. shows. <laughs> I, I, there you go. I'm sure, I'm sure our opinion holds great sway. Right. You, you guys will allow me to continue movies. Thank no. you. Oh, I'm not so, above begging. So so uh, we we loved having you on the podcast. Thank you so much. This was a real delight and. So do you have a uh, social media that you'd like to share or anything like that? Yes. So uh, Paul Green Official is my Instagram and Facebook. And then Paul Green Media is Twitter. And I'll be sharing more information about the possible Christmas album that I was, we talked about before we went on the air that I, here in Vancouver, I am trying to find a producer to work with that I can just get a, a very simple, very beautiful acoustic Christmas album done fast so we can get this out because every Christmas comes around, I want to do it. So there will be more information on my social about the possible Christmas album because I had so much fun at this Christmas convention. Mm-hmm. But then <laughs> coming, um, I'll also be sharing and, and really excited about the Hallmark special Christmas music event that's going to be on the main Hallmark channel, which Lacey Chabert is hosting 
in a cozy little house somewhere in Hollywood and mm. myself and a bunch <laughs> and a small handful, I think five other actors are going to be singing Christmas songs uh, by a fire, um, which sounds really fun to me. Yeah. Uh, and Blast. of course, tune in on the 29th uh, to watch Christmas in Evergreen 3 that myself, Maggie Lawson and Holly Robinson Pete and I'm Barbara looking Niven. forward to seeing you as a librarian. That's a role yeah, I don't think I've ever seen you play. Right. So there's a, there's you in glasses. That's gonna be yeah. fun. Yeah. 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 <laughs> we we did say in our previous show, like I would be checking out a lot of books of Paul Craig's yeah. library. <laughs> I would be there quite a bit. That I was can't believe you to... admitted that, Rachel. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. <laughs> that would be fun. That was fun for me to play. And yeah. Uh, so, so yeah, my characters, they, they do have different jobs, which is fun to explore yeah. for. Like, and I, I requested that I got to wear my glasses in a couple scenes and nice. uh, oh, fun. when I'm reading and then, um, and I got to work with children and read to the children. It's a uh-huh. just great movie. I can't wait for people We're to see excited. that on the 29th. Oh, yeah. It was a hard Christmas on the 25th Christmas. On that's Christmas day. day. Yeah. Yay. And, um, then of course Carnegie Hall on December fifth, which which what I'm excited about Carnegie Hall is, is it's a Christmas event for two hours. You're going to hear some of the most some of your favorite artists sing Christmas and some of their own songs. Like Tori Kelly is coming, Kobe Calais is coming, oh. us the duo, and of course myself. I'm playing my original song, The Stone. Uh, with 200 <laughs> choir and a hundred part symphony, so just imagine this choir singing the stone will roll is rolled away. Oh, like it's going to be really beautiful. That's um, great. And also Lisa uh, Fisher, Riley, and Spock, Tessa Barton, Paul Baloche, and Mariad oh. Nisbet, who is this Celtic, uh, really beautiful. She played on Hallelujah when I sang Carnegie Hall last year. Um, she's also uh, going to be playing with me um, with her violin. So I'm so excited. That's December 5th. And all of this will be on my, all of my different, I'll be sharing it on Twitter and Instagram um, and my Facebook of these projects coming up. But I just had to pinch myself this morning. I have like yeah. five big, exciting, beautiful projects coming out that I'm so proud of. And I'm finishing yeah. my 52 ways to be the dad you wish you had, which is a book, a parenting book. Um, so I've never been busier, but I've also never like had more fun. Like it's not stressful work. It's like yeah. super fun. And yeah, you're married. just living the best life. I mean, that's amazing. <laughs> Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. Well, it's the fans that make it all possible. And that's what I was really present to with this fan convention, the Christmas convention uh, mm-hmm. that that's for entertainment put together. And Hallmark had this beautiful booth there that was just gorgeous and got to be with all of my Hallmark star friends and family there is that these fans allow me to do what I love, which is music and make movies and make TV series and all these things. And, you know, the, without their love of this work, it wouldn't be possible. So I'm always deeply grateful to the fans. And I know that it's a, they, they add a lot of value and, and they contribute greatly to our lives uh, as well. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. It's, you know, the balance is fine, making time to make sure I have the quality time with my son, which mm-hmm. I, because I'm here in Vancouver, I can fly home quite often to see him. But mm-hmm. um, keeping the family balance is always the challenge when you're this busy as well. 
Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you so much again for coming on the podcast and hope you and your family have a very Merry Christmas and we'll be excited to see all of your upcoming projects. Great. Thank you, ladies. <laughs> it was great chatting with you. Yeah. Well, thanks so much. And yeah, hopefully we'll be able to have you on again. <laughs> for sure. I'll see. I'll see if I can't get Chris, Chris McNally. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Let's well, great. talk well, over lunch. <laughs> <laughs> well, Merry Christmas. And, uh, and yeah, hopefully we'll uh, be able to have you on again soon. So, All right. All right. Take Bye. Care We'd really like to thank Paul for coming on the podcast. It's so much fun talking with him. And so, Cami, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Cami Drama Girl. Cami spelled K-A-M-I. And then on Facebook, there's the Hooked Hardy Facebook page. And my blog is hookedhardy.com. Great. So it was yeah. really fun talking to Paul because I'm yeah. a hooked hardy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yes. And you can find me at Rachel's Reviews, all of our social media and iTunes and YouTube and, uh, and on Rotten Tomatoes. So make sure you check that out. I'd really appreciate it. And make sure you're following the podcast at Hallmarkies Pod and Hallmarkies Podcast, all of our social media and on iTunes and YouTube. If you're listening on iTunes, please give us your ratings and reviews. We really appreciate that. And if you're listening on YouTube, please give us a thumbs up up and subscribe to the channel that means so much to us uh, and consider becoming a patron of our channel we have so much fun uh, we have our facebook group for the patrons where we talk about hallmark movies and more uh, all that information will be in the description section we also have giveaways exclusives we also have our merch store which has when calls the heart inspired uh, merch and other great things for the holidays so definitely check that out and so thanks again and we will uh, we'll talk to you all later Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Bye. Bye. <laughs>